don't be afraid to make mistakes and show vulnerability. Best businesses are built on honesty and authenticity. Welcome to the latest episode of the Finding Fearless podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Pratt, and I have quite the episode for you today. Um, This episode came to me by way of social media. Long story short was I was posting some feminist forward content, and I happened to notice that this really cool profile started to comment and like some of the things I was creating. Um, The profile I stumbled on was for a company called The Equality Group, which after reading a little bit more about them, I discovered was a company that was really focused on bringing diversity to executive leadership through being really particular about the people that they put in those positions. And so essentially it's an executive search firm that top companies will approach in order to um, get help putting more diverse candidates on their team. And the thing that I really was attracted to about the Equality Group is that they take a really practical approach to this this really big world problem of diversity in the workplace. They're very data-driven in their analysis of the fact that companies with more diverse leadership are more likely to be more profitable and more innovative. And they really just put hard facts to this problem to make a real business case for executive teams to focus on diversity. So this was something that obviously spoke to me as a person and was super inspiring to learn more about and I reached out to them and was able to connect with their amazing marketing manager Sasha Graham who came on the podcast to not only tell me more about the equality group but also to share her own stories um, particularly about her experiences working in fashion and working in finance and what it was like for her you know coming to the UK and actually experiencing Um, prejudice in her own right and having hardship with that and how it influenced her decision to join the equality group and to make social justice really the forefront of the work she's doing in the world. So this is a pretty wonderful conversation. I was really thrilled that Sasha agreed to come on and share her story with us. A couple warnings that I have to give before the episode. First is that the audio quality is a little tricky at times, but I encourage you to stay with it. I did my best to make sure that the editing kept things as much up to par as possible, but some of it's a little bit outside of my control. Um, but stick with it because it gets better as the episode goes. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is something you'll notice, and you feel free to make fun of me about it. Um, I have an ever-changing accent situation. This comes from the fact that I worked with you know, only 30 people from Australia, and then I have a father-in-law who's British, and my mother-in-law has like seven languages under her belt and every accent under the sun, and so I have this funny habit of chameleoning a little bit when I'm talking to people from other cultures. Um, When I'm talking to my family in the South, my Southern accent turns on. When I'm talking to my Australian friends, I start using the word mate, and as you will hear on my episode with Sasha, um, my little British side comes out as well. Um, maybe I'm missing my calling in the acting world, but don't make fun of me for it too hard. I just happen to have this weird habit where I mimic the people I'm talking to a little bit. I'm not trying to mock. I just can't help it. Um, 
The other thing I wanted to let you guys know about before we dive into this episode is some new courses that I've created for you all, particularly my budding entrepreneurs, my folks who are really on the path of building a better business. Um, So I've been hard at work over the past couple of months creating some coursework for you all, and they are now live on my website. There's three courses now live on the website. The first is Brand Building Basics, which is over an hour long. It comes with this incredible 32-page workbook. The next piece of coursework is a session on marketing that matters, which is really about using the power of manifestation and intention to create marketing that attracts the right customers your way. And then the last piece is called Selling with Your Soul. And it's really taking my experience working with sales organizations for the better part of last decade and putting together some really great practical tools and tactics and tips in terms of how you can sell in your business in a way that feels personal and and brings your passion to the forefront and talks about your purpose versus being uncomfortable or something that makes you feel self-conscious or like you're not used to putting yourself out there in that way. So those are the three courses that are available now. Um, Special offer code for all you listeners is SOUL19, S-O-U-L-1-9. If you apply that code at checkout, you'll get 25% off any of the coursework. So definitely check that out. The other thing I have to do before we start this episode is, of course, thank one of our incredible sponsors. They're actually featured in the the third course because I just love everything that they're doing. Um, So shout out to Practice Ignition. If you haven't heard about Practice Ignition before, they have an incredible application that's really designed to make businesses just appear professional and polished when it comes to the proposals that they're creating and sending to clients. So Practice Ignition offers an online platform where you can create templates for your services or for your client proposals, create sample engagement letters, and then basically put all your clients together in one place, send them proposals, and then be able to see on a dashboard how your business is growing. And the other thing that they do, which is super cool, is they collect the payments as well. So when you set up a client on on a practice ignition proposal, you can turn on to accept ACH or even credit card payments, and then Voila, once a month those will come into your bank account, which is a really nice functionality. So if you haven't checked them out, go to fearlessintraining.com slash practice ignition. Also, if you want to check out the coursework, go to fearlessintraining.com slash online courses where you can find all of those materials. Again, your promo code is soul19. And that is all the latest and greatest in terms of news and content creation coming from Fearless in Training. And without further ado, here's the latest episode of the Finding Fearless podcast featuring Sasha Graham from the Equality Group. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Finding Fearless podcast. I'm your host, Madeline. Today with us, we have Sasha Graham. Sasha Graham is the marketing manager at Equality Group and the founder of Total Culture Marketing. Graham has an extensive portfolio career that stretches across creative and financial industries. She is a social justice advocate, promoting equality and diversity in all strata of society. Welcome, Sasha. I'm thrilled to have you on. Hi, Madeline. No, it's, it's very kind of you to have me on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I always start our interviews with the same question because I think it just helps people settle in and get a little bit more comfortable. Um, so what I want you to start with is just telling me your story. How did you become the woman that you are today? Well, I will tell you my story, which is quite unusual. I have 
become the woman that I am today through a series of utterly fortunate and unfortunate events. Um, my background is, I believe, somewhat unusual in the sense that I'm actually originally from Ukraine. So, you know, I'm still born. Um, I was born during Soviet Union times and I grew up in a very small town in the south of Ukraine. Um, so growing up during that time was quite challenging. So I, I believe that I've built up quite a lot of resilience. I moved to the UK in my early 20s and I married an English bloke. So I feel like over the years I have assimilated into the culture quite well. Um, but I still, you know, I still have my heritage, my um, Ukrainian heritage, I suppose. But like my first language is Russian. Um, I've done... I got an English degree and I wasn't exactly, actually it took me quite a while to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. So I tried quite a few things and I actually went into acting and did some training and I worked as an actress for some time, which I really enjoyed, but um, that didn't pay <laughs> very well and didn't, specifically it didn't provide stability. So I ended up working in financial practice and um, I had built really great rapport with the director he actually paid for my um you know accounting training so then i ended up working in finance for a few years which which was good but at the same time it it, it is not something that i really enjoyed doing um and then i managed to transition into marketing which i have been doing for some years now and i really really enjoyed that because i feel like that sort of gives me a combination of my creativity like it combines my creative and analytical skills really well. Um, yes, so um, this is how we got here. <laughs> that's 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 a pretty interesting story. I mean, at first, Skinner, I would not have um, known without you know l learning a little bit more about you that that you you know you weren't quote unquote a proper Brit. You know, <laughs> you seem yeah, yeah. quite quite a different. <laughs> but uh, but it it sounds like it it's been quite a journey to to get to that that place um so so you know knowing a little bit more about your background especially you know kind of growing up in those more difficult times you know tell me what exactly sparked your personal interest in social justice and and kind of bringing diversity to the forefront of the work you do i have always been interested um and i always cared about social justice even as a child i have always advocated and promoted it. I, I, what I'm trying to say, it has always been a significant value for me. Um, and I think I just believe that people, you know, all people are equal and they have dignity and that needs to be reflected in all societies. So this is why I have, I don't know, always been passionate about it in that way. So when Hepsi Pemberton, the CEO of Equality Group, has approached me and invited to come and work for her, explaining that Equality Group is a company that, you know, specifically focuses on bringing that equality and diversity into finance and in the world of finance and technology, I think I immediately felt that that was something that I would, I really wanted to do and that I really wanted to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, it, I found at least in my own life, um, you know, my friends, especially my friends who have more what I call quote unquote activist type tendencies, 
it, it, it usually stems from, you know, early experiences where, you know, you saw, you saw the inverse, you saw, you know, situations of inequality, or you saw, you know, people being treated differently, or perhaps you were that very person, you know, and so it, it sparks this fire under you to change that, quite frankly, and, and, um, and folks who, who haven't had those experiences, it doesn't quite land home in the same way, they're not, they're not as passionate about it, I guess. Yeah. I think I just generally, I, I really dislike prejudice, mm. I feel like prejudice is a very big, um, it's like a wall, it stops um, so many people from you know, developing or achieving or succeeding and it's this, it's this block in our brains and all we have to do is to change our thinking mm-hmm. and that's what will change the society so you know it's not actually an issue that that issue is in our head and we just need to get over it mm-hmm. and I think I, I feel very passionate about that and I feel like um, you know we, we just need to change and, and that comes through education all we need to do is educate people and help them to understand and think differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so tell tell me more about Equality Group. You know, in terms of like kind of the, the founder story. What are what are the the firm's visions and how how are you all executing on those ideas? Mm. So, Equality Group is an executive search company that specialises in finding candidates with diverse backgrounds specifically for high management and board level positions. We work mainly with firms across finance and technology sectors, um, providing very bespoke headhunting service. So we aim to provide at least 50% shortlist for diverse candidates. We are a um, quite a small team. Um, There's six of us and effectively everybody except for me, you know, works on the search side. Uh, we have flexible working, so we're all work from home. We have like one co-working space when we meet up for meetings. Otherwise, we just go out and meet clients at their offices, um, and that works so so well because a lot of our team members they have kids and they have other you know like care responsibilities, and it just allows that flexibility. Um, um, and I think it also helps efficiency. I think I'm, I'm, I'm again I'm a champion of <laughs> flexible working hours because it you know especially these days work blends with personal life so much it just makes sense to enable people in their circumstances to work in the way that helps them i i I wanted to actually ask you about a little bit more about that like because i see there's kind of newer companies companies that i i would say are probably launched in the past like maybe one to three years everyone is just totally on board gets the remote work thing and other companies, particularly in more um, rigid or historic industries like finance, um, tend to believe that everybody needs to go <laughs> sit at a desk somewhere. And for me, like, especially because I have a creative personality, it's really important for me to work in different places because I feel like my creativity is sparked depending on where I am. Um, you know, like I write really well in a coffee shop, but I, you know, can sit down and, and crank out, you know, a, a big thing of webinar content better in a co-working space. Like, I don't know what it is, but it just is. So, so I'm curious, like, how, how do you guys, you know, is it just like a non-issue? Everybody on the company is at the same page and, and you know, how do, how do you navigate that? Because it sounds like you probably came from a job that was a bit more rigid. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think I had similar experience, especially like working in finance. It, it definitely, yeah, I don't know, it does feel like um, they are very rigid and they're, they're very, mm, they're very sensitive about that rigidity and a, a formal, you know, and, and hierarchy. That's that's also something that you notice, it's, you know, especially in older businesses, big companies. Um, whereas I think it's just an archaic way of thinking because there is enough data and there is enough proof that shows that companies that are a bit more flexible, they do, you know, work if they're happier and they are more eager you know, to do work and in the end they are more effective. Um, and I guess Virgin is still like one of the best examples. We've got one of the friends who works there and it does sound very weird when they say like, oh, you, you have unlimited holiday. You, you can take as much holiday as you like. There's no, you know, um, as long as your work is done, it doesn't really matter. So in I, especially in our team, that works really, really well. Um, and it, it was quite an interesting transition. I think I struggled at, at first. I'm like, right, I don't have to go into an office every day. And, um, because you do tend to, what you have to do is you have to build your own boundaries and understanding of your work, you know, your working time and how to manage that. That is very important because, you know, you can start, you can get up, do washing, walk the dog, you know, or you can just, you know, I, I've got an alarm and I know that, okay, this is, this is the time when I'm starting to work, etc. However, uh, personally, I struggle with migraines. So it means that if, if I do have migraine or if I need to take some time out, you know, I can conk out for a few hours and then, you know, I, I tend to wake up about five o'clock in the morning and then just, you know, I'll do all my emails by eight and then I can do, you know, meetings and any other exercises that I need to do. So it, it and then some, I know some of our other team members, they prefer to work in the evenings. Um, again, especially if they have kids and they can put kids to bed and then they can just sit down and crack on with their work. So it, it does, it does, I, I think it does make a lot of sense actually. I do too, because I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of TED Talks and I was, was listening to this, this, TED Talk recently and it was a guy talking about you know why do people feel like they can't actually get work done at work and he talked about you know just kind of like the constant interruption and how you know especially if your work is anything creative um, which you know more and more of our, our, our work is these days because technology has taken care of a lot of things that are more menial or you know automate you know automated tasks and so he's like a lot of you know work these days requires creative thinking and you need, you know, good in uninterrupted brain space to do that kind of work. And so his kind of joke was like, you work in an office, like implement no talk Thursdays, <laughs> where like just nobody talks, no water pool talk, nothing. You just are really focused. But that's that's such a difference for me. Like when I was working, you know, for a company and I would take days to work from home, that's exactly what I would do at that time. But I think it, you know, you brought up such a great point about how everybody has a different way to get the work done so it doesn't really make sense to try and mold us in all into this like office model um it sounds like you're able to work you know around your needs which probably makes you a much happier employee in the end as well exactly exactly so you, you start 
your work then brings you fulfillment and mm -hmm. you know you, you feel appreciated and you feel like you can manage it so yeah it it, it really again quite personally it would really make sense but you do have you do have to have you have to, you need to have good time management because what what can also happen is that it's sometimes very difficult to stop so you might burn out or you know on the other hand it's like if, if you're you know <laughs> you can procrastinate for quite a long time yeah that's that is is maybe me <laughs> <laughs> no i i so it's interesting to always see what like brings out my procrastination tendencies because i'm pretty on top of things but occasionally there's things yeah. that i say for the last minute and i think it's because i get a little bit of a rush out of it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and sometimes if i put you know i'm i'm forced to do it quickly sometimes i think it's better i don't know because i don't overthink it as much but um especially yeah. like for content creation I, I i sometimes get that way um but yeah it's and, and, and other times i'm i'm the workaholic like up at you know 10 o'clock last night finishing off one last thing but but yeah, yeah. you know i find balance in between yeah. i think that's the key and that's the key for everyone isn't it you yeah have to find balance like whether you work in an office because you know even when i used to work in an office i still you know i would stay quite late and I think it doesn't matter what you do or what even industry you're in. It, it is all about finding that balance between, you know, how much time you give to your work, how much time do you give to your family, how much time do you give to your hobbies. There, you have to find, and, and there isn't really exactly a right or wrong answer, is that you just have to personally figure out what works for you. Yeah, exactly. So, so tell me, to, to go back to a little bit about how you got involved with Equality Group, you know what what was the connection there how did you how did you learn about the company and what was kind of the pitch that pulled you in so i've known um hepsi for a bit of some time and um i was at the time i was working at netporter which you know is a big fashion retailer which is very fun and glamorous but also quite stressful <laughs> and I didn't find it very fulfilling in the sense that again like it didn't really align with my values and it's just it, it wasn't it, it's you know like it, there's a lot of great things about it but it's just personally I couldn't find that gratification or maybe that feeling that I'm doing something valuable or it's making a difference so um Pepsi has got a very interesting background herself you know she um you know she comes um yeah i think she went to oxford she worked for lehman brothers then she started um her own recruitment company called clear consulting then she sold that and then she started a um um a social enterprise in uganda which enables women in the local community to get loans on mobile phones and then they do some um social media work and like other sort of like yeah techie type of work and they also get some training and support so you know it's 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 a really great um model to enable women to work in that community it's called Stefa by the way um and then so for her it was kind of another logical step understanding that there is a need in the market that um, actually diversity is very important and it's not just a social justice issue it's actually a business case and the lack of diversity especially in finance and technology sectors is immense 
so which is why she started this business you know combining basically her experience and passion into one and i started a quality group this is why when she this is why she sold it to me very quickly <laughs> i'm like yeah this sounds great this makes sense and i definitely want to be part of that I love, well, I mean, for me, like the thing that interested me so much when I, when I came across you guys on, on, on social media was, you, you know, something like diversity and it, some people look at that and say, oh, that's a massive problem. I don't even know where to begin with it. Mm. And I love people who are doers. And so it sounds like MC is like, she's a doer <laughs> from, yeah. from that background. But I, you know, I think that you know, you can take a big problem like diversity and you can break it down and you can say, okay, you know, where do we start? We start with, you know, recruitment because really it's a problem of people. There's not, you know, people are very, um, they're, they're attracted to and drawn to people who are similar. And so when we look yeah. at these kind of industries, you see that people hire the people they know. And if their network is just more people like them, then they're not bringing in the right candidates to, to create diversity in the first place. And so they need a resource that has that kind of network, you know, to draw those people in. So even if, if it's a company that's super well-intentioned and trying, they might not just know the right people. Um, but I love seeing, you know, companies that are taking a problem that, you know, the majority of people would balk at saying, oh, you know, it's too complex. I don't know how to tackle that and break it down in a really clear cut way. And, and I think you guys have, have really done that because you're very specific as to the industries that you serve and where you're going to tackle the problem first, you know, and I'm sure that there's visions at some point to, to take things more broadly. But I mean, if you can nail it in finance and tech, which in my yeah. opinion are two of the most predominantly white um, gender, you know, gender divided industries, then, then you guys, you know, have really tackled something quite big. Um, I'm curious to know in, in your experience, I mean, you've, you've worked across a variety of industries. Um, how, how do you think it differs, you know, where you are in the UK as to globally? Do you think the UK is, is better or do you think that the UK is worse in terms of um, gender diversity and also representation of persons of color? Um, I think it's, it depends what, what places you're comparing it to, um, you know, but uh, overall it's not that great. So, you know, like in the FTSE 100, which is like, the, you know, the, um, the top uh, London stock exchange companies, you know, sort of equivalent to the Fortune 500 companies, you have, <laughs> I don't know if you heard that stat, but there are more, you know, men called dating seeds than ethnic minorities and women put together. Um, so in, the, in the US, it's like there's more CEOs named John than all CEOs. Oh, really? <laughs> CEOs or something like it's equally ridiculous. It is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Equally ridiculous. It, yeah. So it is a bit absurd that, you know, in the 21st century, we are, you know, this is such a big issue. and all we're trying to do especially like if you think if you take out the demographics in terms of um okay like racial diversity if, if you just look at gender you know population wise it's 50 50. so the fact that there isn't female representation on especially on board levels it it you know it does say something about the cultural values of your society and you know yeah and the way it's run 
and that's the thing about it. It's, it's just practice. You know, we can we can live about we can live and just not and, and dismiss it, or just not think about it, or just say, well, this is the way things are. But you know, you could say that about all of the issues, and this is why you have to sort of stop, analyze it, and identify why is this happening. You know, why do you not have women and ethnic minority people on on the board or represented across, you know, all levels in your business? Because there will be there will be a very specific answer to that. It's it, it's interesting. I'm always curious to do comparison, you know, because because and, and, and maybe this is just because I was up watching John Oliver too late last night. But like, you know, it seems like there is something going on in the UK and something going on in the US where um, it's almost like there's some parts of our culture that are going backwards, like that are getting. Um, more isolationist and 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 more afraid of of you know of things that that quite frankly we were making a fair bit of progress on not a ton but we were headed in this very clear direction of like you know access for more people is better you know having more people with differences in the room is better having more women in the room is better and then suddenly we hit this cultural moment that that has been a real um backstepping in a way and I, I do think the UK is different you, you know you guys have had more female leaders for example but I, I'm I just always curious to see how it plays out you know kind of on the ground level for for the actual people in the working world yeah I think Scandinavian countries are still in the lead in terms of, of specifically gender diversity and just general representation and um, you know but them being more socially democratic you know democratic countries you know and they're very uh, much, you know, egalitarian in their views. Um, you can, you, I think, you know, I would definitely agree with you, you know, with, with the rise of more like, not extreme, but even like more far right views. Um, it brings back those, I don't know, some complementarian values and the fact that, you know, when people think about gender roles that, um, you know, because effectively, you know, like one of the reasons, well, the main reasons why women uh, struggle to progress in their careers because they're still the main caretakers in society. So if they have children or they have, or, you know, or parents or any other care work is predominantly um, done by females. So which means that even if they get in, so, you know, you, you, if, when you look, for example, in the business uh, on the entry level, there are normally more diversity because you have women who are entering the workforce, um, but then they, you know, again, like have kids and then they have to take time out in order to, um, you know, look after the children. And then, you know, they, then they have to come back and then it's harder to get um, and to progress in the business. Um, I think it's. Even, I, I imagine that is even worse in, in in the US just because of the legislation. And um, I, I guess women in the UK, you know, like you do have your maternity, you know, your, your maternity leave and your maternity place. So you still have it for a year, and it, um, you know. But it, wait, did you say a year? Yeah, a year. So you get nine <laughs> months uh, paid. So you get like full pay, I think, in the first three months, and then you get statutory for the next nine months. And the, but your place, your work, you know, your position is kept for you for a year. Do you know? Do you know what it is in the US? Um, I think it's very little. <laughs> so it's not, by law, nothing is required to be paid. Uh, it's yeah. six weeks hold. 
and if you have a cesarean section that's the, the the mandatory healing time so basically the second you're surgically allowed to return to work and again that's not six weeks paid leave that's six weeks your job's held and that's it yeah i think it, i think it's I a think, big deal. <laughs> it, it is it is i i think it <clears throat> i would really struggle with that but then again, if you compare it to like Scandinavian countries like Finland, you know, you get three years of maternity leave, which I think that makes more sense. Yeah. Um, well, and it comes down to policy. Like that's the thing I keep pointing to is like the reason those countries I think have made such broader strides is they've made really clear policy decisions on behalf of women around equal pay, around, you know, the, the, the ratios of women you have in the workplace and around you know those kind of support systems whether they're child care services or or you know proper maternity and paternity leave like they've put it into place with policy and like it it's just so so mind-boggling to me because yeah we'd like to assume that everybody would do the right thing but we I, we're at this point now where we have the data like google is a perfect example of this google and i think netflix did it as well um or maybe it was facebook but you know some big silicon valley giants started making changes in their maternity leave policies more along this this one year mark like giving people you know one year um paid leave and i think whoever it was it, it was either google or facebook saved like over a billion dollars even though they were paying out for employees that weren't there because when they had the old national standard with the six weeks women would leave their jobs and the amount of money and time it would take them to go I mean, you know how long it can take to recruit some of these top level candidates to go find a new candidate, train them and get them up to speed, you know, versus paying women, you know, rewarding them for the great work they've done. And then by a year's time, they were eager and more productive when they got back to work. Like they saved the money. <laughs> so it's like the data is there. We just need policy to, to, to push people in the right direction. There's still that stigma that, you know, once a woman has a child, she's either she's no longer employable or she's, she's not as good as an employee because she has other commitments that she needs to commit herself to and i feel like that in a way that's absurdist you know women are amazing they are creative they are resilient um they are committed and this is exactly the type of workforce that you want to have and you want to have that um you know especially at the board level you know women women the way women think and the way they make decisions you know they can you know they think more cautiously, they evaluate things from um, a different perspective. That is so important. I have heard somebody, uh, I can't remember which talk it was, but somebody just mentioned and said that, you know, if, if there were more women on the board, there probably wouldn't be a financial crash in 2008, just because it would be assessed differently. And so, oh, wow, that is quite a bold statement. But if you do think about it, you know, we have, there's a very small number of people in key positions who make decisions that influence so many people in this world. And having that group, you know, it's, it's a homogenous group, which means that it, it will think it's limited in its thinking. This is why diversity is so important, it, because all diversity, you know, racial, gender, neurodiversity, it all feeds into cognitive diversity, the way we think. And that's what we want. I am um, a fan of sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> if you look into most of you know, sci-fi films, or even majority of it, it's 
you have you often have this setup where you have very unlikely groups of people coming together and didn't, even though it's quite uncomfortable at the beginning, mm -hmm. they learn how to work together and they bring their unique skills and perceptions into the situations. So throughout the problems that they encounter, those skills they fit in to solve different problems at different stages. This is a this is the perfect representation of diversity and why it's so important. I, I love that that the comparative <laughs> and that metaphor because I'm I'm like a total nerd. Like I I'm a big X-Men fan and like anything up that alley like where superheroes are coming together with different skills. And you'll notice like the, you know, there's women in that makeup. There's like, you know, they were ahead of the times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially the X-Men. But, um, but no, I love that. And I think that's the thing is like, you know, even though it sounds kitschy or corny, like I'm a big believer that we all have these these special powers that, that you know, one of us is going to be better at than the other. And some of those are innately because of, you know, our gender. Like I think that women are better at, at, at trusting their gut and being super intuitive leaders. And um, at least in my own experience, it makes me, um, a, a quicker decision maker because I have this this extra instinct that allows me to move and and when I lean into it and I trust it, um, you know it's going quite well for me um, and and you know that's that's my superpower you know but I, I also think that some of it is experiential you know for example you know growing up the way you do it did that brings a different perspective to the table a, a different level of passion and a different level of experience that that defines who you are and how you work and the way you think and and that's unique to you and so it's important to have a, a variety of people in the room tackling complex problems especially ones you know as broad as diversity because there's there's so many different ways you can approach it but we're going to be better if we've got more more ideas and and different ways of thinking in, in the room yeah absolutely um well so so you know, I, I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, the, the tangible work that Equality Group does. Y you know, obviously there's a lack of diverse leaders in finance and tech and, and in social impact. And that's, like I said, a broad issue. But what are some of the very, like, specific tactics? Like, what are you guys doing in this space um, that you, and leveraging to drive change in, in these industries that are quite, you know, old school in nature? Yeah. So, Again, I think the first of all, what we're trying to communicate to the businesses is that diversity is a business case. In order to stay competitive in the future, you know, in order to be a competitive business, you have to bring diversity on board. Because even as we, you know, talked a bit earlier, you know, creative because because of the technological development and you know even robotic evolution. Creativity is becoming the most important currency that we can exchange. So, especially for these old school businesses, they have to learn and understand that they need to adapt and they need to change. Otherwise, they're, you know, they're just going to go extinct. Um, what we practically, like some of the steps that we would talk, you know, we would we communicate is, again, first of all, education is just getting people to understand and you know, really understand why diversity is important, why is this valuable, what kind of um, you know, what changes does it bring? You know, there's so again, there's so much data, like for example, the McKenzie report is such an extensive and um study, and it came back proving 
that businesses, for example, with gender diversity on board, they perform 21% better um, than not. And businesses with um, ethnic diversity on board, they are 33% more profitable. So these are very you know, specific empirical numbers that should encourage businesses to change. Um, then when it comes to recruitment, what we provide as a business is we search and we bring at least 50% um, shortlist of candidates that would be diverse to your regular um, you know, search ways. Because basically, as you mentioned, um, you know, you, people in finance and tech especially, you, you, you tend to hire somebody you know, or uh, here in the UK, it would be like your, you know, your Oxbridge um, students who then graduate and then they kind of go, and, and because there isn't that much diversity there, you know, you're kind of getting the same talent through the pipeline. Whereas, you know, there are, there are other great people. There are so many great candidates. Um, so we, when, we, when it comes to actual recruitment and finding people who have very creative approach, um, very in terms of trying to understand what the client wants and what kind of person it would fit the business and how, how they can adapt. And then finding candidates that don't necessarily come from that you know, usual background and see how their skills and they, their capabilities and how they would fit the role. So we work like very bespokely with businesses to really find people who would work for them. And again, it comes back to data and measuring your data. There's a truism, um, I think it goes, what gets measured gets done. So it's all about businesses and, you know, and governments understanding what are the numbers in terms of diversity. You know, for example, um, I, don't know, I don't know if you've heard, but in the UK now, all companies who employ more than 250 people have to um, submit their gender pay gap um, the analysis. So in a month, I think by the 4th of April, all the businesses would need to do that. And we already had some data last year. And from that, you know, it, <laughs> it, it's shocking, but then, but yet expected the numbers that came out, whereas you know, across all sectors, you have women who um, get, it's almost like 50% less and when it comes to bonuses women get you know there's a 70 80 percent difference in terms of payment and it's it, it, some of them even in fashion industry even if you say oh like you know for example finance is more, more male dominant some of the um fashion companies where most of the workers are women that they still there is still a major pay gap because when it comes to that because when it comes to board level you mainly have men and that those are the most you know high earning positions and that's where that gap comes from so it's very important to understand data understand your company you know like if yeah this it, it starts with awareness so as a business you have to understand how diverse is your workforce where do they come from and that just grows and grows and grows and unconscious bias that's <laughs> that is something again like going back to hiring people like you do tend to some you know you, you don't do it consciously you end up hiring people who are similar to you when you know it's not necessarily a bad thing but again that just blocks 
uh, that ability, that opportunity that you could give to somebody else, a person who you, you just, you know, you just need to kind of look beyond of what you're used to. Yeah. And then there are other things like, you know, um, role models and sponsorship. Those are very, very important aspects of the business. But you actually have to um, support your diverse candidates, understand where do they come from, understand cultural difference, and just you know, be empathetic and be supportive and really sponsor and support those people within your business. Yeah, I think I think that's a big <clears throat> challenge as well because it's like okay it's one thing to bring in a candidate who you know or an employee that you know that broadens uh, you know the the kind of representation there is within the business but you know if there's nobody who um who shares a commonality or or is willing to step forward and sponsor and and be you know be bridging that gap they're they're gonna you know there's gonna be attrition they're gonna you know yeah. feel uncomfortable or left out or not be able to progress so so you've got to really i imagine there's a, a bit of training that has to go in because uh, what i see you know and in my work i'm working a, a lot with with female founders and women in business yeah. and you know i'll have men or, or male-owned organizations come to me and say oh you know we really want more women inside of our organization, but we don't know how to get them there. Mm. And I, you know, I start at the ground up. I'm like, go all the way down to your culture. You know, mm. if it's not a place where a woman wants to work or where she can just even look at your website and tell that it's a place where she would fit in, you're not going to get them. <laughs> you know, you got to go, you know, and again, I think it can come back to policies even. Like I've had um, cl coaching clients, for example, who have been looking for new um, new places to work and the first thing that, that women always do we go to um, the careers page and we look at the benefits because I think you know if you have benefits around ample maternity leave or yeah. you know really clear I've seen more and more companies actually address the pay gap directly in in their uh, in their statements about you know how they hire and employ people like if you notice a company does something like that it's it's representative of, of you know they're not just going to talk the talk they're going to walk the walk when you show up and you work there which which i think makes a huge difference um I, I, that kind of actually gives me a great segue to the next question i wanted to ask you which is like you know i think we as women and and, and i think it's not just women i think it's generationally you know we're growing up in a play, time and place where we want to see ourselves and, and, and feel like the work that we're doing really, really matters. And, you know, you've worked across a lot of different industries in the past and have this huge breadth of marketing experience, but what has been the biggest difference for you in, in working for a company that allows you to, to bring your values to the forefront of your work and to really take something that, that you believe in and, and put it out there in the world and, and be progressing that, that issue? Well, First of all, it would it would be personal fulfillment for me. This is not just my work. You know, this is just my five. This is not just something I paid for the bills. This is an issue that I'm genuinely um, passionate about, and it it really makes it does it means so much to me knowing that something that I do might actually make a difference. It might encourage somebody. It might help somebody to think differently. I mean, I, it means that. I have had quite a lot of very um, interesting conversations with some of my friends when, you know, in those moments when you realise that you are going to racist. Um, but it's not necessarily something that they would be very obviously talking about. But there is that 
stigma and there is that prejudice that lies um you know that unconscious bias we all have unconscious bias so one way or another we you know we tend to lean towards something and it's often and that in itself it's not necessarily a bad thing you know this is our point this is how our brain works we just need to be aware of it we just need to sort of look beyond our beyond any stereotypes um you know i have <laughs> you know even personally like i have experienced like i do experience so much you know like prejudice and cultural appropriation um you know i have had even i think it's just last week i had a conversation with somebody and i mentioned that i'm from ukraine and she went oh okay. oh so is my cleaner but your english is so much better than hers i'm like well, i don't actually know what to say to that <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> you know and it's like yeah yeah so you know like there is that um you know there's cause there's so this there are so many workers from eastern europe in the uk um and <laughs> so you just have to you have to learn how to deal with these issues and maybe just challenge people and say like it's you know sometimes it's just not okay to say some certain things you, you have to expand your horizons of the way you view different cultures and the way you see people because again having it all comes down to empathy and fairness and understanding that if we want to live in a well-balanced society we have to appreciate not be afraid of not be judgmental but just understand um cultural you know cultural differences i think i love living in london just because there is there are so many different people from so many different backgrounds and you know and most of these people can live harmoniously together you know it's <laughs> i think as 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 humanity we are we do have that ability to you know understand each other it's just something that we have to we have to learn how to do and we have to embrace that and it is very important for our sustainability mhm mhm so so it, i've got two questions and i'm like debating which ones to ask you first because <laughs> both of them are good but um but but there's one thing that you you've touched on and and I know that you're you're definitely up to speed on these subjects um because you know that the content that you are producing for a quality group is very data driven um, yeah. and and I think that one of these the biggest ways to tackle you know and to change perception is to just state facts right and so yeah. I wanted to ask you like why do you think it's important and 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 a really valuable tactic to share the stats behind the broader issue of diversity and leadership because um this is one of the most important ways of of you know of talking about that because again most because businesses are interested in the bottom line they are interested in returns i mean you know again like when you take the um social justice issue like which you know there are a group of people who if if you just come and say to them this is a social justice issue this this is the right thing to do they would not necessarily be interested in that whereas if you come to them and say hey this is profitable they would have a very different um you know interest in what you have to say to them so even though it's effectively the same information uh just because it's expressed differently it um you know it provides an opportunity to engage an audience that would not necessarily be engaged and then again like you know this is factual information this is numbers 
this is true. This is this is not a you know a complaint that's driven by emotions or idealism. These are numbers that show you facts that you know if you have a business that has more um, diverse talent on board, it will be more effective and it will be more profitable. Do you want to have a more profitable business? If so, this is a way to do it. That's, I mean, I think, I think that that's the biggest thing. It's like, you can't argue with that, <laughs> you know? And, and I think that it comes from a point of view where you're also, you're, you, you know, the focus is education, right? Like your, your, your goal is to educate and, and, um, you know, some people who are not like in the trenches with this sort of work don't even understand. Like, you know, I know men who, who didn't until I told them know that maternity leave was, leave was only six weeks unpaid. Like they had no idea. And so, I think that education is the first step to to creating real change and just understanding what other people go through and and how vast and you know what an impact this has on on people's lives allows you to get to that point of empathy where people can try and step into somebody else's shoes and think about you know what what it's like to to not you know be able to rise to a certain level of leadership or not be paid the same or things of that nature um but I have to not not to take a spin for the negative but I have to ask because um, at least in my own experience, being somebody who creates a lot of um, feminist content and female forward content, um, in putting yourself uh, out there in the world where you're standing up for something that is a hot button issue and standing up for something that, um, that some people don't believe in. You know, there are plenty of racists, you know, left in the world. There are plenty of misogynists left in, in the world. I, I'm curious to know, you know, if you guys encounter um, it, you know, pushback or negativity or trolling online when you, you know, produce or post or publish, you know, mm. the content that you do? And, and if so, you know, because I know you're probably the person who has to tackle that. How, what are the strategies that, that you take? Um, well, yes, you definitely do uh, meet quite a lot of backlash and or just, you know, or just generally you know, being unaware. Interestingly enough, a lot of it comes from journalists, which is quite worrying when you present them with data and say that, you know, like, well, you know, women cannot progress in the career and, you know, there's a big pay gap and, and then they just go, well, yeah, so what, you know, this is normal. Why, 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 what's the problem there? <laughs> you know, or when it comes to quotas and, and people say that, you know, like, because of that unconscious bias, there's a lot of people who can't, you know, for a great candidate, um, they cannot progress in their career and then they turn back and say well you know surely it's all about having that best get best candidate for the role what's the problem there um but what people don't realize is the complexity of the issue so again because of those unconscious biases and, and because of our people we kind of assume that our society works the way it works just just because and people don't often stop and think why why the structures that we have in place are in place because they are in place there for because of certain reasons, because of our thinking, because of our values, because we because of the way we structure it, it's not passive. But because it's not necessarily part of our everyday life, uh, we kind of lose sense of it, I don't know, in the banality of that of our surrounding surroundings. Um so again it just comes back to education. I mean you just have to be patient and you have to present logical arguments why is it important why do we need to have a diverse society why do we need to have representation 
and most of the people of course you have people who are quite emotional and you know with, with very extremist views they you, you don't normally you just can't hold a conversation because it's just going to come it, it's something again in their views and their values that it, it's either this or nothing but with most people you can actually have a logical conversation and show them especially when you have data especially when you have the numbers and practical steps and solutions to the problems that you're facing and i i, I feel overall i from my experience i get quite positive feedback at least you know if, even if somebody goes like oh wow yes this has changed my life it's like oh actually this is an interesting point and i've thought about that and that is it you know that is the first step that is getting somebody to think about it but you know saying that i do get quite emotional <laughs> and i can get quite upset um and sometimes it takes a lot out um like out of you emotionally but you know you just need to stop recharge and um, yeah keep going forward and keep talking about it unless you do things won't change yeah it's it's hard i mean i think you have to develop a, a thick skin it's like i i have noticed the more outspoken i am on these things you know the more um the, the more trolling i get but also the tougher i get and and it's interesting like you know things that you wouldn't you wouldn't even think would really Mm. Um, like I post a lot of content and, and use hashtags where I'm like, you know, it's not created for, for guys. So, so why are you finding it showing up and taking the energy to, to yeah. knock it? Or like just things like I, I posted something on, on LinkedIn a couple, couple days ago that was like, oh, you know, I hope every young girl who, you know, was, was told that she was bossy would be told that, um, you know, that she has leadership skills and was suddenly trolled for like this little tiny you know internet tie i put on linkedin by like somebody who took the effort to make a fake profile like it was, it was like the, the weirdest thing and so like one thing that helps me um keep perspective is just like wow like what a crazy use of your energy and your time and and the one thing that i wish was that you know we as we as women and and we as people who do believe in these things um, got better about you know about kind of giving a a, high, a virtual high five or a thumbs up or you yeah. know and I, I get that you know there's likes and there's things like that but it, it helps me it it recharges me in that way that you described when somebody says okay like this is kick ass keep doing this so that I'm like okay I'm reaching people this matters you know and it, and it helps me fight the negativity I think a little bit more when I've got that kind of feedback yeah for sure I mean sometimes I mean honestly I have so many friends who are so narrow-minded and I, I think that devastates me the most I'm, I'm better uh, at dealing with somebody who calls me on the internet because I don't really care but I, when some of my friends just go or like they just say something really narrow-minded and something like very limited and it's like right we need to have sit down and have this conversation and it's going to be a very uncomfortable conversation because you you have values that i do not support uh and that's when it's it's quite challenging and i think as you said you know most of it comes from empathy a, a guy i have guys just i know so many guys who just don't get it they just don't believe it they're like well you know there are women in my work or you know there's the girl, the, you know, my my boss's manager, and 
they just don't understand what it's like when you have when you're bombarded with so many different messages growing up of what you should and should not be like and it's all that information in your brain is so overwhelming because you have to be everything you know you have to be successful you have to be independent but then you have to be loving and caring and you know enabling your partner and you know you have to be a mother and you have to be a carer it, there's just there's so many things that I feel like women have to be yeah I I, I couldn't agree more <laughs> you know <laughs> I couldn't agree more um so, so switching tacks just slightly I wanted to ask you because because you don't just work for a quality group you you also you know have your own marketing company um you it's an agency is that correct that is correct. It's a very, very, very small agency. We don't even have a website. It's because I've been, because I'm doing, um, again, because we have this very flexible role model. So um, most of my work, hey, uh, you know, I do for a quality group, but I also have some um, other clients that I do um, some work for, again, in the marketing space. So I have a small team of people, which we similarly in the same model, we work. Um, flexibly it's actually quite interesting so there's a couple of people who i work from in ukraine um which again and they're also female so yeah. i think i was quite deliberate about that so i found a couple of girls who are you know great great techie lasses so um and i just i actually really it, it's not a hobby it is a business but i just really like working with them you know some some clients that we have are so awkward and, and difficult and uh, in a way, I, I personally, I feel encouraged um, and I, I feel like I'm giving something back to the community that I come from and I still, you know, have that connection um, because I enable those women who um, not necessarily, again, I think like, you know, in terms of sexism, Ukraine would be even worse um, than mostly Western countries because there's just so much of it. Um, and I try to talk to people about that and that's actually actually that's one of one of my personal passions and um plans for the future is to um talk and engage more russian-speaking community into about gender balance conversations because you really don't have that you have a lot of extreme feminism and then you have just a lot of sexism there's very little in terms of having more of a balanced view in terms of what does it mean to have an egalitarian society? What does it mean to, um, you know, to enable women, you know, to be equal in their society? Because it, it's slightly different because historically, you know, because of the Soviet Union, you know, uh, women gained the same rights as men, um, what was it, you know, 1918. Um, so whilst, you know, and, and they fought in the Second World War and, you know, women, women endured so, so much. Um, so it, it looks like in terms of sexism and, you know, positioning women in the society, it looks very different to the Western world because after the Second World War, women, for example, in the UK, they just went back to being at home and they had to, you know, go back to being domestic angels. Whereas in Ukraine, you know, like my grandma, she, she was a finance director of the military unit, you know, in the so it's very very different but what happened is that still all the care work and 
everything or everything domestic women still have to do that so you basically ended up in society where women would you know they have to go and do a full-time job and they have to cook clean and look after everyone in the family whereas men they go and work and then they come back home and sit on the sofa and mm. that's kind of what the balance is at the moment mm. um yeah mm. I, it, it, it's 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 kind of cool though because I mean I think that cr- creating your own thing or, or having your own outlet on the side allows you like you, you're describing to kind of pull in these other areas of passion and I think it's a bit of a misnomer to think that you know just one job can encompass all the facets you know of an individual <laughs> person but I've got to imagine that you know the two the two roles and the, the two you know they influence each other Mm-hmm. you know and give you a different outlet but also a, a, you know a solid perspective and you know you can be working in one way and building in another and I always kind of joke that I've got you know one project that I'm working on full forest and one that is 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 you know incubating in the back of my brain <laughs> you know, I'm building the business plan in my brain but but I think it's important to have those other outlets because I'm sure you know like I said it it, it probably inspires and influences your work at, at the equality group and and vice versa you know the, the information and things that you learn there sound like they're really influencing and shaping the ways that you you know found your own company yeah exactly mm-hmm. spot on then Adelaide <laughs> <laughs> um so, so, you know, as you expand, you know, in your career and, and just in life in general, you know, one thing that I think it's really important to identify is, you know, what are the support systems that you have? So we talked about earlier about, you know, the importance of having a sponsor or a mentor or an advocate, like who do you look to in your life to lift you up, to keep going, um, to, to get inspiration from? So uh, the CEO of Equality Group, Hepsi Pemberton, she's definitely the inspiration and she she's definitely a role model um she has this very unique ability to compartmentalize i think she's very very good at that um she because she has so much going on and i have worked with a lot of people and you know i feel like over the years you notice what happens so you you know i had a manager who would be very dismissive and like very hierarchical and if you do not argue you know just sit there and be told i had a manager who was very erratic and you know he was very very busy and it's always very busy and it's always very chaotic it's like regardless of how many hours you put in there's always going to be a crisis there's always going to be something going on and then so working with Hepsi is quite different it's um I feel like she you know she's, she's very encouraging to everybody in our team and she's very good at giving feedback so even even there's something negative, she'll always come around and say like, okay, well, this, this doesn't work. It doesn't necessarily, you know, there's sort of no assignment of blame or finger pointing and like, okay, well, let's figure this out, let's figure this out. And there's just no extra drama, which I think is amazing. You know, it just it gives you so much freedom and support. Um, yeah, I, I do, I do absolutely. I think we have generally an amazing team, which is also actually quite diverse. <laughs> um, that works so, so well together because people, well, first of all, everybody's quite good at self-managing, but I'm, secondly, you know, especially because Hepsi's at the top of it and she's kind of leading it and she, she's not micromanaging, she's not controlling, but she's also she's very encouraging uh and but she's also very clear and direct in terms of requirements and i think that's what makes you know a great leader and personally you know she's a great inspiration to me 
there's a lot uh, there's a few other people who I've met in the industry who I just I you know I find inspiring and great and most of the I, I think I really appreciate also good sense of humor because you, you can you, <laughs> you can get really overwhelmed in this space and just stopping at some point and understanding the reality and actually what actually matters and values sort of focusing on that and just taking things easy that's what makes all the difference yeah i think i think being able to shake some of that stuff off is really important when you're working in an area that's that can be a little bit heavy at times and and i imagine too it's probably pretty important for you to have um people who <laughs> in your life who who do something entirely different you know too just so you can you can bounce other other mm -hmm. ideas and, and be a little bit lighthearted. like sometimes for me it's like for example, you know, one of one of my best friends, she's she's a hair hairdresser, and yeah. um, and so I I love you know when we her and I hang out because you know her her day to day realities and the things that she's up against and her client stories are are pretty humorous and lighthearted <laughs> and it helps me kind of kind of keep from getting too heavy at times. Yeah, yeah, keeping it real. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so one of the, the the final things that I always ask for for anyone I have on the podcast is, you know, I I, I really strive to create content um, with with younger listeners in mind. You know, not just just women in their their careers currently, but also thinking about how we elevate kind of that next generation of women mm -hmm. to come up and and feel like they have the skills and the tactics to to take on a workplace that still is lacking in diversity, quite frankly, and and how they can you know persevere and, and make change and. Um, and so the, the final question I have for you is, you know, if, if you had any, you know, advice or battle tactics or, 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 you know, areas where you could pass on some sage wisdom to other women who are just starting their career, what, what would that, that advice or information be? I think I would definitely say that it should be yourself. Don't be afraid to make mistakes and show vulnerability. Best businesses are built on honesty and authenticity. So I think, and the key from this is to be yourself. I feel, you know, like I've got an imposter syndrome. Will I ever get rid of it? Who knows? But the fact that I work with people who I, you know, I can come to and say, oh, you know, this happened, you know, this made me feel very uncomfortable and I actually feel quite down, you know, or this person made me feel quite small. It's okay. Or, you know, even if you, mess something up it's it, it's okay to acknowledge those mistakes it's okay to make those mistakes because absolutely everybody makes them i feel like when you hear success stories it just looks so simple I'm like oh, oh i struggled here and i tried these things and now i'm successful whereas in reality it doesn't really work like that you try you fail you try you fail and then you try and something works so yeah keep going <laughs> and be vulnerable and allow people to be vulnerable to be vulnerable with you as well yeah i love that i think that's really important you know to 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 remain open you know because other people can meet you there it comes back to the idea of empathy um, i think it's mm -hmm. one of the best ways that we can impact others and drive change and and to just be human you know like yeah. people people you know when you when you can see the humanity in another person you're more likely to find that understanding and and to grow from that experience in my 
in my in my humble opinion <laughs> um, well i just wanted to um to thank you so much for for coming on the podcast i really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to have this conversation and and i really am inspired by the work you're doing and that equality group is doing so thank you so much sasha for coming on thank you my friend this is it's very kind of you to invite me and i'm very very glad that we could do it so there it is, the latest episode of the Finding Fearless podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I definitely enjoyed having it with Sasha. I think the thing that resonated the most with me was just this idea that that so much in business is changing right now and so much is rife for disruption. And there are really, quite frankly, big problems that businesses are facing and you could be the solution for it. Um, I think about something like equality, and it may seem like this massive issue to tackle, but this this company, this amazing business, the Equality Group, is taking it on head-on with a very small team. And granted, they're talented people with their own unique sets of experiences and backgrounds in the space, and they're you know, taking something like that on really, really directly because they know it's an issue and they know it's time for change. And I look at the women I know in the world and I'm like, man, we've got to get disruptive. We've got to really shake things up because there's room for it. And the time is really upon us to make this kind of change happen. So that's, you know, what I want to leave with you is thinking about, you know, what are the things in your life that really could use disrupting? You know, are there antiquated business models or, you know, just things that you come across in your life that you're frustrated with that they haven't changed yet, you know? And if you're someone who isn't in business yet, but you've been maybe marinating about it, maybe listening to this podcast, thinking about, man, I should really start something or I could really start something. You know, I think about starting with something you want to disrupt. For me, this is, you know, women seeing themselves as strong professional leaders in business. I want to create more spaces for women to see themselves as competent and as more than equal to their male counterparts in the working world. And so I'm always creating content to help do that. But maybe there's something else that you look at and you say, that needs changing. And you could be the force to make that happen. So that's the last thought I want to share to you. In closing, I want to give a shout out to our, our second sponsor, Elevest. Um, speaking of people who are doing major, major disruption, Elevest just raised a massive round of funding. It was like $33 million, which is definitely proof of concept that what they've got is going going on is really shaking up the, the financial world. Um, Elevest was an amazing company. They were started by Sally Krochak, who was a, a CEO of Merrill Lynch at one point, one of the most powerful female CEOs in the world of Wall Street. And Elevest is all about creating tangible solutions for women to control their finances. So they have an investment platform that also allows you to access real human advisors where you can be investing for your future. As a woman, you know, we have our unique investment needs and they're really creating to the goals and the mindset and the mentality and the difference of investing for women. So Elevest is an amazing platform. You can check them out at fearlessintraining.com slash Elevest. And while I'm giving you a heads up on online materials, I want to give a little reminder that there's new online coursework waiting for you at fearlessintraining.com slash online courses. 
There's three courses there live. I would love for you to check them out, particularly for my budding entrepreneurs. There are great resources on branding, marketing, and sales. And in addition to that, I want to let you know that we'll have another episode coming your way in two weeks that's going to feature a really good friend of mine, Gail Perry. And then after that episode, we're going to take a pause for a little bit, do a little bit of recharge, refresh, get ready for season two of the podcast. And season two is going to change the format up a little bit, bring some different kinds of content your way, still sharing the stories of women surviving and thriving in the working world, but also more insights, a little bit more of my voice, my story is going to be coming to the to the podcast um, to give you things that feel maybe a little bit more tangible. So that'll be a shift that's coming your way soon. And until next time, you know, if you love this episode, please rate, subscribe, review, share with a friend, um, particularly if you know somebody who this content would would resonate with. And of course, you know, if you have comments, feedback, anything you'd like to say about this episode, you can get in touch with us on social media. And otherwise, until next time, wishing you all the best. Thank you for taking time to tune in and to hear these stories.